Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Ooh, the non-spooky podcast. Because that was yesterday. That was yesterday. Yeah. And we feasted on candy, yes? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I, 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 I do the dad tax. And I don't eat it all the time, but I do do the dad tax. I feel like I have to go through and take a look, make sure it's safe, number right. one. Look for razor blades and needles. But number two, and, and you know, Clark Pinnock, I don't want any of his stuff in my kids' knapsack. <laughs> No false teachers in my kids. Anyway, so I'll do the day. I look for I look for the Twix. I love Twix. I like the Kit Kats. I like the wafers with the chocolate. So, Reese's. Uh, Reese's. I'm, I'm about that. Not, yeah. not as much as other people, but I like the Snicker. The chocolates where I go. That's what I want. Yeah. Chocolates. Fair enough. Yeah. What about you? Uh, yeah, we're with that. We, we do the communal basket. So we don't like each kid doesn't have their, mm. their box or their bag. So oh, everyone shares huh? everybody. And that's how we've done it from the word go. So wow. it doesn't matter who brings back the most. It all goes into a communal pile. Wow. And then for like lunches, packing lunch and stuff, they can grab very communist some. of you. Well, and it also means that I get to rate it and nobody's like, Hey, you took my, so yeah, I don't like, I don't even care. I'm doing it anyway. Right. <laughs> right. You get a higher tax bracket if you bring in more. That's true. Yeah. So I'm trying to do capitalist stuff. You're like here. Matthew. You're sitting there collecting the tax. That's the right, top. man. Hey, I'm, not, yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Hey, your car's, uh, in the recently shop. had some work done on taking, it. Taking it to Christian brothers to get some, a spark plug replacement. I believe they call it a tune up. Uh, and an alignment because in Texas, I found that there's more potholes than there actually are road. So it's like, do, 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 do everywhere you go. Because of all the horses, their hooves just break through the road. Yeah, crazy how many horses on the road is ruining the streets these days. Well, I see all the, so all the construction vehicles, those heavy vehicles just make all these massive potholes and just the deformed road all over the place. Anyway, it's in the shop. So I was thinking, I would like to not own a car. I would like to own a car. Well, here's the thing though. Uh, autonomous vehicles make it plausible, although maybe not probable in the next five years, perhaps, but in, in the long-term future, I, I would see autonomous vehicles being a thing where you just call a vehicle up and you pay 10 bucks or whatever to go someplace. And, and I, I get the argument, right? Because gas is expensive. Insurance is expensive. Gas, insurance, maintenance, but, cost of ownership, all this stuff. But the majority of the time you step in and get inside your vehicle and drive from point A to point B, you're not putting money out there. Like granted, passively, you are because you're spending gas money and things like that. Yeah. But the, the average person is thinking, man, I'd rather just get in my car and drive home and it technically, no money's leaving my pocket in that moment versus if I got to get home and I got to summon a taxi, I'm going to have to pay 10 bucks for that drive from my office to the house. Like that's, that Maybe cost me 10 bucks in the, in the moment. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I guess my thought is it would only make sense if you have enough vehicles out. So I would have access to it when I wanted. And the cost to do that would obviously have to make sense. And I think, yeah, if, if there's an option, man, I'd be all for that. I, I don't, don't want the cheaper option. I don't know. Maybe it was Moeller recently. Somebody was talking about, uh, uh, I think it was Moeller, uh, maybe a week ago or so on the briefing. It's talking about one of the major uh, oil companies out there just invested oh, yeah. in buying another one. And another, he's like, another oil refinery. that shows you like, these guys aren't dumb. Like fossil Oil's fuels aren't anywhere. They're not going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So all of this talk about like, we're getting rid of gas vehicles and stuff like that. Like Exxon's not dropping billions of dollars, you know, to, to, make that happen if if they think that it's actually it's gonna not end. going anywhere and that's okay i like that I'm, yeah. i welcome that i just uh, give me my autonomous vehicles your autonomous fossil fuel vehicle yes because then All i right. can read i could do work 
plug in if I want to veg out and sit back and just hang out while the car drives me places. Okay. Okay. Hey, November 1st also marks the beginning of Christmas music. Yes. I started about two months ago. Yeah. You, you do listen to it all year long, don't you? You know, I go through seasons. It's not like a, it's not defined all year necessarily. It's like, oh, okay. I kind of feel Christmassy right now. Give me a good, you know, cold day and I'm all about it. I value the experience of Christmas so much that it's like, it's like a good Okay, so the Christmas tree cakes that I mentioned the other day oh, on the yeah. podcast, like that Dan got so for Dan, you, that was Dan so bought them for me. Thank you. Like I, I, I savor that thing, and I know there's only a limited amount every time I eat one, right? Yeah. So it's like that with the whole Christmas season for me. Like I, I mm. want it to start as early as I can, but I don't want it to start too early so that it loses some of the impact. Mm. Like when there's something nostalgic about the sound of certain Christmas songs, yeah. That if I just listen to them all the time or whenever I felt, it would lose, lose that impact, right? Yeah. So when Christmas season hits and you hear that music, it's like that that warm fuzzies hit you again yeah that's why i only kiss my wife once or twice a year yep. because i don't want to lose the impact of those kids that's not the same thing it's the exact same thing it's not the same thing <laughs> it's not the same thing i know i get it i, I I'm, I'm just josh and I, I do get it i really do appreciate christmas music for that reason it, it 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 connects with that that's that feel of christmas the vibe right the mood right and so i understand entirely yeah and i feel like there's some groups that always release a new christmas album every year dude like pentatonics yeah. Every year. Pentatonics Christmas again. Christmas. Yeah, the greatest hits. Stephen Curtis Chapman and Chris Tomlin. He's they always. Music. I can't believe these guys are like 60 years old they now. Are. How old are they? But they're still doing it. They're I, still I doing respect it. the game, man. Yep. They're not retiring. Nope. They're not. Hey, speaking of somebody else who didn't retire, Jeremiah. <laughs> Jeremiah was going after it. And so let's, uh, let's do that. Let's yes, get to Jeremiah chapter 31 was. and 32. Oh, we're getting into some good territory here. Yes, we are. We are. Chapter 31 is essentially a whole chapter all about Israel's future hope. Uh, not a hope in the short term. In the short term, what's going on? You've got Babylon. You've got exile. You've got captivity. You've got all of the the, the bad that we've been talking about. But in the future, uh, there is a hope for Israel that is coming. And uh, things are going to get much, much, much better for Israel when uh, when God begins to bring these things about. Um, the return of the people. We've, we've hit a lot of these themes. I, I don't know, Pastor Rod, if there's much new territory being broken here in chapter 31, at least in the outset, the first 30 verses per se are are really talking about a lot of what we've already been talking about, that God is going to bring Israel back. Even in spite of her adultery, he's going to bring her back to himself. Yeah. I guess the, one of the, one of the takeaways, I just want to reinforce this here for everybody, ourselves included. Um, God was not dumb. God didn't forget that he said these things. God didn't say, oh man, did I say this already, Jeremiah? Oh, hold on. Let me, let me backtrack that. You're reading a lot of the repeated themes and it's important that you feel what God is trying to communicate with this. Number one, he cares about Israel. He cares, he cares to warn them, cares to let them know I haven't forgotten you. But I think the thing that rings in my mind is that we, we really need a lot of reminders. Like we're just so... I don't want to call us dumb. That, that, that's, that feels like such a, a, a bad thing. And I guess it... It communicates to us that we need those reminders. The New Testament doesn't doesn't say anything different either. Rem, remind them of these things. Paul says, Peter says, I mean, the scriptures remind us about a lot of things that we need to hear over and over again. It's right. good to be reminded. Right. Yeah. I, Paul does too. And in Philippians, when he says, hey, rejoice again, I say rejoice to write the same things again to you. To write the same things. Right. I said this to you before. Right. I'm going to say it again. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, one note, I guess, before we get to the new covenant section in verse 15, uh, this may sound familiar to you, especially around this time of year, Christmas is approaching. And this uh, is quoted in Matthew chapter two, verses 17 through 18. Um, and it's applied to uh, the, the weeping of, of the Israelites when Herod went after the, the, the male children in Israel two years and under after his visit from the, the Magi there. Um, but it's, it comes from this passage. And here, this is uh, a shift from the future hope to the present suffering. And this is uh, Israel and the, the women in Israel weeping over what's happening to their children in the, the impending doom that they were going to experience. And so that's picked up from Matthew from Jeremiah and applied to what's going on in the, the New Testament there. So context is the Babylonian exile here. This is Rachel weeping for her children. It seems like it, uh, according to what I did on this, the reading I did, it seems like it became proverbial by the time Matthew adapted it yep. in his gospel, which uh, again, carries over from this exile, the people losing their lives. Perhaps Rama was where they gathered the exiles when they lost their their homeland, Jerusalem. They gathered, they wept. Their Their future in their minds had been lost because of this great event. Yeah. Yeah. But again, not to be so forever. Um, and that's where we go in, in the new covenant language, starting in verse 31. So Jeremiah 31, 31 is helpful. Huge. Don't forget yeah. this super important passage. Don't forget yep. this one. Yep. Highlight 31, it. 31. If you're wondering, where is it? Jeremiah 31, 31, 31 it's easy days. Cause it's a rep- 31 flavors. Right. Jeremiah. We're, we're in October in or October. no, we're not anymore. We're in November that's now. That's true. It was yesterday. We tried. Never mind. No. But Jeremiah thirty-one, thirty-one. Here's the new covenant, and here's the thing: the new covenant. This is significant, and it, it loses some of its impact for us because, I mean, we we are not first uh, living under under the Mosaic covenant as these Israelites were, and uh, having broken those. Uh, Jeremiah is talking about a covenant that's going to be better than the Mosaic covenant. That's what? massive, that, yeah. right? Because that's that that's the linchpin for why everything that's happening to Israel is happening to Israel because of their failure to keep the law. Remember Deuteronomy 27 and 28, uh, those passages talking about blessings in uh, blessings for obedience, cursings for disobedience to what to the Mosaic covenant. Now Jeremiah says the days are coming when God's going to make a new covenant, not like that first one, but this one's going to be better because this one is not going to be based on external obedience to the law, but an internalized law. God is going to write his law on the hearts of his people. There's going to be an inherent knowledge that we have of him. No one's going to have to say to his neighbor, hey, know the Lord for everyone is going to know him. And there's also going to be great, the, the, the greatest promise, the forgiveness of our sins. I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. This is the new covenant. This is what has been partially realized for us in Christ, but will ultimately be fully realized for the Israelites in the millennial kingdom and beyond. And so this new covenant promise to Israel here, and then it's the question is, is this been fully realized? That's a good question, right? Well, he goes on right there in verse 36 and 37. He said, look, if, if this fixed order departs, and this is a common theme in the next couple chapters, in other words, if the sun doesn't come up in the morning or the moon doesn't come out at night, if that fixed order stops, then... Yeah, you could argue that I'm not going to honor this covenant. But of course, that's not going to be the case. Of course, he's going to keep them the, the same. And, and so he says, my promises are forever. I will never uh, for, fail to, to keep my word that he's promising here in Jeremiah 31. I think it's kind of like our yearning to be freed from our body of sin, to be with the Lord, to have that sense of uh, release from our bondage here in the Old Testament mind, to have something like this would be like, yeah, I want, that's what I want. I mean, I, I know what it is to sin. The, Christian, you and I can feel that sense of, I don't know, we, we may not appreciate this. As you as you were saying, Pastor PJ, we, we feel this because this is our reality. This is what mm-hmm. we feel. This is mm-hmm. what we know. 
But maybe it's something like when the future comes, we die or Jesus comes back, we'll be finally released from this body of sin and we'll be able to experience that full newness of life. I think for the Israelite who read these words, it would be something akin to that. Yes, that's what I want someday, somehow. And man, we got this. Yeah. What a cool experience on our part to see this. Yeah. Well, we've talked about Jeremiah as the, the conflicted prophet in the, the past, but here we find the confused prophet in chapter 32 uh, because God tells him to go out and buy this field in the midst of this siege. And uh, and he does so. He's obedient to the Lord. And yet afterwards, he, he prays to the Lord and, and asks the Lord to help him understand because he's not quite getting it. God is promising exile and all of these things. And then he's promising he's going to bring his people back. And then he says in, in verse 24 there, what you spoke has come to pass and behold, uh, you see it yet. You, O Lord God have said to me, buy a field for money and get witnesses though. The city is given into the hands of the Chaldeans. In other words, why, why am I doing this? What are you really after here? God, what are you trying to communicate here? So, even though uh, Jeremiah was was faithful to God and carrying the message of God and obedient to God, he here confesses that he didn't fully understand everything that God was doing. And I, I think that's helpful and encouraging to us that there are going to be times that we may look around our uh, our situation, our world, our context, uh, whether that's uh, 30,000 feet or at 10 feet over your dinner table. And you're not fully understanding everything that God's doing, but you know what he's commanded you to do. And so you're going to do it because he's commanded you to do it. And yet there's the freedom that we have to go to the Lord as Jeremiah, the prophet does here and say, Lord, can you help me understand? Because I don't understand. I'm going to do this because you've told me to do it, but I don't fully understand what you're doing right now. What a helpful observation. Uh, understanding isn't required, isn't necessary for our obedience. And I think uh, Jeremiah is a great example of practicing what you preach. He's preaching, hey, serve the Lord, honor the Lord, return to the Lord, um, do what God says. And I bet many of them said, well, why? Like, help me understand that. I don't, and Jeremiah essentially lives out. You don't need to understand. Right. So many of us have the hang up of saying, I don't understand this. Uh, I mean, I think about the doctrine of hell. That's a difficult doctrine. It's yeah. a painful doctrine. Yeah. And I, even even what God does with the Canaanites in the book of Joshua and, and what happens there, I mean, it's, it's difficult. And, and to say that we understand it, I mean, we can understand the words on the page, we can understand what it says, but it's really hard to say, okay, how do I put this together with the God that I know? And, uh, the, the, you know, how, how does this all make sense, God? Mm -hmm. You don't have to understand God. In fact, I think you would probably want to throw out the idea of comprehending God to the fullest. You have enough to work with, and God's given you enough light to be obedient but probably for most of us, if we were honest, he doesn't given us all that we want to know. Right. Jeremiah's point, we don't need to know. Right. Be obedient. Right. I think it was our sending pastor who used to often say, it's it's not a matter of needing more information. It's a matter of the will so often when it comes to our obedience mm -hmm. that a lot of times people will say, well, I just need to, I need to know a little bit more. I need to understand a little bit more. And, and he used to challenge, I think helpfully to say, I, I don't think that's it. I think it's a matter of, you know, what you need to know. Are you willing to do it? Yeah. Um, and so in this case, uh, God tells Jeremiah to buy this, this field in the midst of a siege when he's already told Jeremiah what's going to happen to the land. And Jeremiah's going, God, this doesn't seem like the wisest investment. But again, this is another object lesson for Israel so that through this this purchase of this, this field, uh, Jeremiah might demonstrate what God was going to do, that he was going to bring the people back again. And this is, this is the verses 36 and, and following here, which we get some of the new covenant that we just talked about again, Jeremiah, what 31, 31. And we get that rehashed here, uh, as he goes back through these things. And he says, I'm going to make an everlasting covenant and not turn them away from, or turn away from doing good to them and put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me. So again, why is Jeremiah doing this? Jeremiah prays for understanding. God answers him and says, because there's a future where people will come back and buy land here once again. Mm, preach it. Yeah.
Well, hey, let's get to the New Testament. But before we do, we neglected to wish someone a happy birthday today. Oh, did we? We did. How, do, how does that? We don't forget anything. What's we don't. On? We don't ever forget. I mean, we wanted to be extra special. So we delayed it to That's in between. Right. Yeah. Hey, Janelle Lowe, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Janelle. We are so thankful for you. You've been awesome. Yep. We've loved your family. Loved having you guys. But we're grateful that you stuck around with us, man. Yeah. What a cool thing. Yeah. We're thankful for all of our, our people. And uh, Janelle, you are our great and uh, your out of pat heart that we often talk about yeah. anything, any place, anytime. Um, and so happy birthday. Sorry. We uh, didn't get that out at the beginning of the podcast. Pastor but, uh, PJ will repent and he'll give you one of his Christmas tree cakes. sackcloth and ashes. Whoa. <laughs> I don't know if I can go that far. Repentance is not that, my, that far. Extended. My kids asked me for one. I said, no, <laughs> <laughs> I, I did share one with my wife. Oh, good. One, just one half. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Titus chapter two, Titus chapter one, we talked about the qualifications for elders or pastors. Again, remember that's the same office in scripture. There are not separate offices there, but chapter two, we get into how things ought to be within the church. Again, there's some parallels here. Uh, again, the, the concept of a pastoral epistle in how the, the church should be operating, what it should be looking like. And here in chapter two, uh, Paul's giving a lot of practical advice. And I, one of the things I love in this is, is Paul's reminding Titus that no one ages out of being a, a useful part of the church family and the church body of Christ. Um, in uh, in in this section where he has instructions for the older women and the older men and the younger women and the younger men. And he's saying that all of them have a part to play and influence and impact to make on the uh, the health of the body of Christ. I love that. That's a great observation. I, I, I didn't see it that way before. I, I, I've noticed, and, and we'll, we'll see this theme repeated tomorrow as well, but there's a, there's a theme of works in the book of Titus that is so cool to see. In chapter two, you see it in two places at least, uh, but in verse seven, Paul tells Titus that he's to be in all respects a model of good works. He's mm-hmm. to showcase with, to the body what it's supposed to look like. And then in verse 14, he says that they're to the people that he's, that he's pastoring here, that it'd be zealous for good works. So good works are a major part of the Christian faith. That's a major aspect of what our faith represents. We do good works, not because we're saved by them. And that's what he's going to clarify in the next chapter tomorrow. But good works are necessarily a part of the body and old or young to your point, Pastor PJ, all of us are responsible to do them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and on that note, verse 11, the the grace of God, notice what produces those works in us, right? It's the grace that saves us is the grace that sanctifies us. That's kind of verses 11 through 14. There is a a lot of times we think of grace and we think, okay, grace is about salvation. Grace is about us being saved. And yes, it's a hundred percent that, but it's also a hundred percent about that, which sanctifies us because that grace that saves us trains us also to renounce ungodliness and to be zealous for those good works. And so um, we can again, see a lot of the the is it God working in me or is it my responsibility to do good works? <laughs> you guys all know the answer by now, right? Yes, right. It's it's, it's the yes. both and, and it's the grace that's at work in our lives there. So yeah, great great point on that. Amen. Well, hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast, and we will catch you guys again, Lord willing, tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Happy birthday, you know. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. <laughs>